Welcome everybody to Common Sense Christianity. As always, I'm your host, Ethan Foster, here today with another episode. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast to share it with your friends, family, or anyone that's interested in religious topics. Also, if you want to contact us, you can email us at commonsensechristianitypodcast at gmail.com. And before I forget, like I usually do, uh, I'm going to go and give you our verse of the day, which comes from 2 Corinthians 6.2. Behold, now is truly the time for a gracious welcome and acceptance of you from God. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Amen to that. And we are going to go ahead and talk about the existence of God, the evidence for God. And I've done whether one other episode on this um uh before in the podcast, but I'm super excited to do this because uh for Christmas I got a new microphone and I'm excited to test it out and test the audio. And it's going to take a while for me to get it perfect, but it's going to sound so much better than our previous ones. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited for this. And if you guys have any questions about it, please, please contact us. No one has contacted us yet with our questions. And I really want to answer your questions and start a mailbag segment on the podcast. So if you haven't already, please just ask questions and email us at commonsensechristianitypodcast at gmail.com. Like I've already said, I'm trying to get it stuck in your head so you will eventually do it. So my article comes from everystudent.com. And the title is, Is There a God? Does God exist? Here are six straightforward reasons to believe that God is really there. Just once, wouldn't you love for someone to simply show you the evidence for God's existence? I'm just going to read that question from the introduction paragraph. Because no one in the Christian community, at least very few people, actually explain this in depth. Which is why I'm doing it. So people will have a very simple way to figure things out. You always... in in evangelical Christianity, many people just take things by faith without any basis on it. And that's why so many people are leaving the church. You have you have to have a base basis for your faith, like I've been stressing in almost every episode of this podcast series. Uh, you need to have a basis for your faith. So you have to look at the scientific evidence and not just get your evidence from the Bible. So point one, the complexity of our planet points to a deliberate designer who not only created our universe but sustains it today. The Earth, its size is perfect. The Earth's size and corresponding gravity holds a thin layer of mostly nitrogen and oxygen gases, only extending about 50 miles above the Earth's surface. If Earth were smaller, an atmosphere would be impossible, like the planet Mercury. If Earth were larger, its atmosphere would contain free hydrogen, hydrogen like Jupiter. Earth is the only known planet equipped with an atmosphere of the right mixture of gases to sustain, to sustain, forgive me, uh, um, plant, animal, and human life. The Earth is located the right distance from the sun. Consider the temperature swings we encounter, roughly negative 30 degrees to 120 degrees. If the Earth were any further away from the sun, we would all freeze. Any closer, we would burn up. Even a fractional variance in the Earth's position to the sun would make life on Earth impossible. The Earth remains at this perfect distance from the sun while it rotates around the sun at a speed of nearly 67,000 miles an hour. It also it, it is also on its axis, allowing the entire surface of the Earth to be properly warmed and cooled every day. So let's go ahead and just talk about this for a sec. It's a really good point, and many atheists that I've talked to, not the ones that aren't as educated as, let, let's say, Stephen Hawking, for example, obviously, uh, will say that this might just be a coincidence, that there are so many... 
billions and billions of planets in the galaxies and the universe that maybe, maybe we were just the right people, the right ones that got the lucky uh, amount of chance. Well, I, I think this takes a lot of faith in and of itself. I do not call it a stupid position like I do with some atheist uh, positions such as the multiverse, but it, it still seems to me a little impossible of a sort when you really get down to it. Maybe there it is a coincidence that we are in the Goldilocks zone. Maybe it is a coincidence that water formed on Earth. But then you still have to deal with the biochemical processes at hand and the chemistry in the cellular cellular level at the first life around 3.5 billion years ago in that warm pool. See, scientists suggest this warm pool theory and state that the right biochemicals came magically came together, which I would then point out what came first, the DNA or the proteins, because DNA makes proteins, but uh, DNA is made out of proteins. So you have a intellectual problem with that. And I'm not saying that automatically proves my position, but that is a big question that needs explaining in and of itself. And of course, atheists usually point out God of the gaps. That's not God of the gaps. This is God of logic. If you see a problem that cannot be explained by science, you cannot explain things like this by science because it is just too complicated. It is just too coincidental to explain otherwise. When you see a design, and I say this every episode, you're probably tired of this by now. When you see a design, there you would reasonably assume there's a designer. Yes, there is probably some mathematical equation that explains the Big Bang Theory, but there is still someone who had to write the equation, who had to create the equation. Math doesn't work itself. Someone created math. Stephen Hawking usually uses the argument that the laws of physics, that the laws of nature would create the universe itself. The universe would create itself. That makes no sense. When you have a law, you have a lawgiver who created the laws. Why do the laws always buy it? See, these laws do not change unless there is some supernatural force in it. Why do these laws never change? Why does the occurrences in the universe not just be random? What started gravity? Gravity... Again, Stephen Hawking says gravity would create the universe because of gravity, we have a universe. But there is no gravity because if there is nothing, and by definition, nothing means nothing. I don't know why atheists continue to try and put like the little particles in there. At the beginning, there would have had to be nothing, completely nothing. And the whole point of this is, is if you're going to say that gravity created the universe itself, then you have to have mass. And if there is nothing, then there is no mass, therefore no gravity. Now, I am definitely not a physicist. I'm horrible at math. I absolutely hate physics because I find it very boring. I'm more of a biology type person. But it's a very simple concept to understand. And of course, I'm not questioning the intelligence of Stephen Hawking, but I just do not think that is a very reasonable theory to come up with. So we so we got really off track. So I think it takes a lot of faith to hold that position. The universe had to start. What caused it? Scientists are convinced that our universe began with one enormous explosion of energy and light, which we now call the Big Bang. This was a singular start to everything that exists, the beginning of the universe, the start of space, and even the initial start of time itself. Astrophysicist Robert uh, Jastro, a self-described agnostic, stated, The seed of everything that has happened in the universe was planted, and that 
first instant, every star, every planet, and every living creature in the universe came into being as a result of events that were set in motion in the moment of the cosmic explosion. The universe flashed into being, and we cannot find out what caused that to happen. Again, atheists will a lot of times use God of the Gaps, and I know I use Richard Dawkins' arguments a lot, and I'm going to continue to do it because he has very interesting arguments that trick a lot of Christians. So he says that that, uh, astronomy hasn't had its Darwin, essentially. There has been no one to, that has come up with a naturalistic explanation for the creation of the universe, but he still has that faith that that will be the explanation. He admits this repeatedly. He does not deny it, which is a problem here. So I have a problem with Richard Dawkins claiming an article of faith based, I, I guess you can possibly say based on evidence, when Christians, an intellectual Christian, has plenty of evidence basing on its beliefs, and there are some things we can't explain in Christianity, but we put faith in that anyway based off of evidence. So I don't get why he has a problem with Christians doing that when he turns around and does it himself with something much bigger. Do you see the hypocrisy in there? I I hope and pray that you do. That is a big hypocritical uh, statement by Richard Dawkins, like he always does, because he fails to see... uh, the flaws in his arguments. He just does it to promote his position. Point number three, the universe operates by uniform laws of nature. Why does it? Much of life may seem uncertain, but look at what we count on day after day. Gravity remains constant. A cup of coffee left on a counter will get cold. The earth rotates in the same 24 hours and the speed of light doesn't change on earth or in galaxies far from us. How is that? We, uh, we can identify laws of nature that never change. Why is the universe so orderly, so reliable? The greatest scientists have been struck by how strange this is. There is no logical necessity for a universe that obeys rules, let alone one that abides by the rules of mathematics. The astonishment springs from the recognition that the universe doesn't have to behave this way. It is easy to imagine a universe in which conditions change unpredictably from instant to instant, or even a universe in which things pop in and out of existence. Richard Feynman, a Nobel Prize winner for quantum electrodynamics, said, "Why why nature is mathematical is a mystery. The fact there are rules to this to at all is a kind of miracle that took me a long time to read i'm my apologies for that this is a point that i was making earlier why is there order in an unorderly universe atheists hate the word random but i use the word random because there is nothing guiding it so by definition it is random i'll pull up the the exact definition of random eventually i won't this episode so if the universe is so random why does it abide by the laws of nature and why do we not see things popping out of, of nothing, because technically space isn't nothing. There is still a uh, matter there. There is more there than there was uh, before the Big Bang. So why aren't things popping into existence? If the Big Bang uh, popped into existence from nothing, which I do believe the Big Bang happened, I just know who banged it. Because it's illogical that way. There has to be a first cause uh, to the universe. Because there simply is going to be no other explanation. And I can say that with full confidence. I think there will be a naturalistic equation, like I said uh, 
earlier in the episode, I think there will be a natural way to explain it, but not to explain the cause of it all. Number four, the DNA code informs programs ACL's behavior. All instruction, all teaching, all training comes with intent. Someone who writes an instruction manual does so with purpose. Did you know that in every cell of our bodies there exists a very detailed instructional code, which much like a miniature computer program. As you may know, a computer program is made up of ones and zeros like this. One, one eh, We're not reading all that. The way they are arranged, tell the computer program what to, what to do. The DNA code in each of our cells is very similar. It is made up of four chemicals that scientists abbreviate as A, T, G, and C. These are arranged in a human cell like this. Again, not reading that, and so on. There are 3 billion of these letters in every human cell. There is almost 100 trillion cells in your body. That is a truly amazing to think about. In fact, just to give you a scale of it, there is six, if you were to stretch out all the DNA in your one-cell nucleus, it would stretch out to be 6 feet long. Now, just imagine how long all of the DNA in your body would be. Now, this isn't much proof of anything. It just shows you the significance of the genetic code. And again, if there is a code, there must be a coder. And why would a DNA code evolve? And what did it evolve from? Because when you look at single-cell organisms, which is supposedly the first life on Earth, uh, they still have a very complex genetic code. They are simple comparatively in li- uh, as a life form, but they are still very complex when you get down to learning about the biological processes of it. We'll go ahead and move on to point number five. We know God exists because he pursues us. He can constant. He is constantly initiating and seeking for us to come to him. I was an atheist at one time, not me, the person writing this article. And like many atheists, the issue of people believing in God bothered me greatly. What is it about atheists that we spend that we would spend so much time, attention, and energy refuting something that we don't believe even exists. What causes it causes us to do that? When I was an atheist, I attributed my intentions as caring for those poor delusional people to help them realize their hope was completely ill-founded. To be honest, I also had another motive. As I challenged those who believe in God, I was deeply curious to see if they could convince me otherwise. Part of my quest was to become free from the question of God. If I can conclusively prove to believers that they were wrong, then the issue is off the table, and I will be free to go about my life. And this is, uh, uh, I guess you can say this is the intention for most atheists to do, that they just want to rid the world of God. They think the world would be uh, better without God. A lot of times they are personally hurt by the church, which is understandable, or they just think because of the way that culture plays it, they'll hear some famous atheists just bashing on Christians. And you grow up to believe that, just like you'll believe certain things if your pastor or your parents bash on certain people. You have the tendency to believe what they say. So I deal with this with atheists all the time. And the important, I was talking with my mom about this the other day, the best way to communicate with an atheist and to try and convince them is to use their logic against them. And we're not going to really get into any examples, but for example, if someone claims uh, that there's too much evil in the world uh, for there to be a God, or they'll talk about Hitler or someone like that, and they believe in evolution like most atheists uh, reasonably do, then you bring up a natural selection and the beneficial. Should we kill the disabled because it is 
evolutionary beneficial for the species? Should we rid certain mutations in our genetic code to make the species stronger? Should we kill uh, the people, some people off if they are affecting society negatively? These are reasonable questions. I mean, especially from an evolutionary standpoint, because if you want to promote the evolution of the species, you have to eliminate certain genetic codes. And if we interfere with that, we can furthermore spread, well, not spread, speed up the ev evolution of the species. But see, there are moral constraints to that. Of course, I believe in the process of natural selection, like I've said on this podcast multiple times, but I believe in the moral constraints because every man is created in the image of God. And that is why we, that is a huge moral constraint defined in Judaism and Christianity. And uh, that is a good point to bring up to an atheist, just to give an example. And number six, the final point, unlike any other revelation of God, Jesus Christ is the clearest, most specific picture of God revealing himself to us. This is not very much evidence right here, what they're writing, but it is more of an emotional uh, thing, which I tend not to use with uh, atheists when having a discussion because they will not listen to emotion. They only pretend to listen to science. Why Jesus? Look through the major world religions and you'll find that Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, and Moses all, all identify themselves as teachers or prophets. None of them ever claimed to be equal to God. Surprisingly, Jesus did. This is what sets Jesus apart from all the others. He said, God exists and you're looking at him. Though he talked about his father in heaven, he was not from the position of separation, but in very, but of very close union, unique to all humankind. Jesus said that anyone who has, had seen him had seen the Father. Anyone who believed in him believed in the Father. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He claimed attributes belonging only to God, to be able to forgive people of their sin, free them from habits of sin, give people a more abundant life, and give them eternal life in heaven. Unlike other teachers who focus on focus people on their words. Jesus appointed people to himself. He did not say, follow my words and I will find, and you will find truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I'll go ahead and end with that. Uh, I'll discuss that really quickly. So uh, Christians, if you are talking to an atheist, my advice is never use emotional arguments like that. That is very great Personal testimony is very great for Christians themselves, but it is horrible when uh, debating an atheist or having a conversation with an atheist. You have to argue purely from scientific, from objective facts, and try and convince them from there. In fact, the, like I just said earlier in the episode, the best way is to use their own logic against them, and that is the best way to convince an atheist. Thank you for listening to this episode of Common Sense Christianity. I enjoyed doing this. Make sure you share the podcast with your friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, whoever is interested in these topics. And until next time, I'm Ethan Foster. This is Common Sense Christianity. You just listened to an episode of Common Sense Christianity. I'm your host, Ethan Foster, as always. And we love doing this for you guys. Please share the podcast with your friends and family if you like it. And frankly, even if you don't, uh, subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review so that more people can hear the word of God. And until next time, God bless you.